it's funny because if I start missing and someone starts chirping, that's what really ticks me off mm -hmm. the most. And that's when you know, I think I know it's over. When that crowd's rolling, you just go to another level. Once you hit one, and it's like, oh yeah, here we go. And the NBA is a reality check, honestly. Like, you can either make it, and then they'll take it away from you just like that. There is no pressure in Adelaide. Everyone picked us last. No one cares about it. All we gotta do is make the six. And then it's zero, zero, jump ball, let's go. I'm enjoying my life in Adelaide, man. It's, it's sick. Welcome back to another episode of The Huddle, an in-person episode, which always goes down nicely. And, well, this man, he's not new to the league. He's came in halfway through the season, but he's currently on fire, and he comes in straight off a massive win for the Adelaide 36ers. DJ Vasilievich joins me. DJ, it's, firstly, it's good to see you in person. Mate. How are you feeling? Obviously, it's a, I'm coming off a big win last night, and how's the emotions after that one? Uh, it was a good win, a bit beaten up, but you know now we've got the fever break and enjoying it now, and good to be here. Tell us a little about that game before we get into a bit about your career and, and what's gone on because down 18 at halftime, what's going on in that locker room? Because I know the fans were quiet and everyone was thinking, oh no, here we go again, like this is going to be 20 plus. And that second half was a completely different Adelaide 36 than we'd seen in the first half. Yeah, I think we were just giving them too many easy looks. Um, Hal Williams was getting whatever he wants. The guys were getting downhill. Creaky was doing his thing. And we couldn't run. Like, they were scoring. We were just taking the ball out. But then in the second half, we came out and said, hey, we've got to get them to one shot, get the rebound, and we're just out. Like, we're trying to play a bit faster, you know, get a couple screens from the bigs, play through Isaac a little bit. Jacob Wiley was huge for us last night. And, man, once the crowd was gone, it was over with. Like, it was energy central in there. You look like, out of most players in the league, there's a couple that, when that crowd's rolling, you just go to another level. And we see that towards the clutch moments of the game. So what goes through your entire body when you're hitting a shot, falling out of bounds, whether it's bank or not, or, or the big shots? What kind of mindset are you in in those moments? Uh, after the, in the second half, Copes came up to me and said, hey, you're not performing the way I, you know, you know, he was telling me, you know, I need to be better. And once you hit one, and it's like, oh yeah, here we go. And then once the crowd gets energetic, you're just like, yeah, I'm taking over this game. And I did. And again, it's not about me, but everyone just played their role. And, you know, the crowd got us going for sure. Is there any emotion at halftime where everyone's just completely defeated or deflated, I should say, and we're just like, man, like we've had too many games like this. Because if you come out of halftime, like that then you're going to potentially lose by 30 or 40 but to be able to turn it around so is everybody just coming in there saying okay we just put that behind us let's go forward here with a completely different mindset i think adelaide's been a second half team mm. um in the past few games especially in the fourth quarter i think we averaged the most points and we just had to win the first five minutes of the third and kind of just change the momentum and which we did and i think they only scored like 12 points and we scored 32 or something like we completely turned the game around and then once that fourth quarter hit, you know, hey, we got the momentum, let's finish this thing off. We nearly, you know, crapped the bed at the end of it. But that's, again, that's learning for us that we can do a practice, you know, because we have a lot of young guys, you know, inexperienced there. Um, but no, nah, a win's a win when you've got to take it. Adelaide fans, as, as a local South Australian, Adelaide fans, are, there's passion and then there's almost Adelaide fans. Because, I mean, you played in front of the Kings when it's sold out winning a championship. But... Adelaide rides teams, their fans, like not many others. And Red Army's unique, but what is it like being on both sides of when, when the crowd's obviously a bit upset with how things are going, but then like last night when things are up and about, it, it seems to be just another level of, I mean, what the league's about, but what players thrive off. I think they're very loyal mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the space. If we're playing bad, we're gonna, they're going to let us know about it. Like they're going to boo us and they're not going to cheer for us. But then when we get going, they're into the game. So I think it's the loyalty. They turn in, they, they come every game. 
if we're winning, if we're losing, you know, we're four and seven now. Like fans, you know, could only have three, four thousand in games, but we're still getting eight, nine, ten thousand people. Like it's still, we're still playing great basketball, in my opinion, and we just got to continue rolling off the fever break. So you've come back in now. You've had a few weeks back in the NBL. How's it been overall, both obviously mentally, but is there anything that shocked you about the NBL 24 season since coming in halfway through? Was it pretty much what you expected? Um, I think there's so much more talent, uh, especially with the next stars. I think this is probably the best next star crop. Like each team has like a legitimate next star. Obviously, you know, you got the Josh Giddy and and those guys have got drafted in the past, but I think this is a legitimate group that. You know, they, they're performing, you know, day in and day out. And it's very competitive. The imports are, are high quality. I think the locals have gotten a lot better. And, yeah, the coaching the coaching is a lot different. Different team has a different style. You come back in, and we know what happened uh, over in, with the Wizards. And for all of it, uh, we don't want to get into it, but you just wanted to hoop. And you could see that. And you can see that in the last few minutes of the game. So to be able to be out there and have a ball in your hands again, in, in a jersey, in an NBL jersey, it doesn't matter who it is, you feel like you're comfortable. 100%. I think a lot of people get caught up, hey, I can't wait to make the NBA. And the NBA is a reality check, honestly. Like, you can either make it, and then they'll take it away from you just like that. I mean, look at the Wizards now. They're 2-10. Like, you know, I believe in karma, right? And I think they were subpar when I was there just because of the way, the attitudes, the egos, all this stuff. But put that aside, I'm happy to be back here hooping. That's all I wanted to do. I want to have fun. And I want to be a little kid again, you know, playing basketball and just having fun. You mentioned the Wizards. And I want to ask, because you were obviously the closest to... Cooksey while he was there and Xavier Cooks because I was under the assumption that this Wizards team might maybe not have been a playoff contender but I thought Xavier Cooks could have had a massive impact on that team going forward with what we thought was going to be youth and potentially a long season were you kind of shocked to see that that didn't eventuate for him as well yes I was because he was playing really great basketball while I was there for four weeks like he was dominating he, he was doing what he did at the Kings but he was just finding people you know when you got great shooters around you and great players he's just playmaking gets a rebound he's out like it's not he's just playing the same game he was and i really thought he was going to make the squad so i don't know what management was thinking or you know what the whole process is like but again now he's in japan he's probably making a lot of money <laughs> the next meal's on him we've actually chatted this last couple of days so I look forward to him, you know, having a great, you know, year in Japan and then hopefully he can make the Olympics and uh, push from there. He had a couple of weeks like you where that, that dream or whatever, you, you just put on hold for a while and you get the news that you're not going to make that team. What is it like being in limbo where you, you've got opportunities, you don't know what is next because you're so focused on when you left Sydney, your, your main goal was the NBA, which is what every kid wants that you don't even want to have those backup plans because then you don't feel focused on, on making a goal. Mm -hmm. So w what is that like for the first couple of weeks? Like, man, I want to hoop, but I want to find a great situation that's perfect for me in this current point of my life. Honestly, it's mentally draining. Like, you don't know what to do, what to expect, like where to go through next. And I think the good thing with both of us being in Washington, we relied heavily on each other. Like, we go to practice, next thing you know, we're on the game for five to six hours and we go out to eat. Then we're back on the game and the next thing you know, you're repeating the same thing. So. You know, my situation was different, his was different, but the main thing is we stayed in contact. That was the most important thing. We FaceTime, we exchanged texts, like just knowing we support each other. And end of the day, we're both great players and we want to just play basketball and make money. And he's doing it in Japan, I'm doing it in Adelaide. So everyone's got their own storyline. The G League is not for, for every type of player. And the fact that both you and David Cooks aren't in the G League, and I think any Australian basketball fan who's watched you two play would agree that you just don't belong in the G League. Did you know that straight away when, when you were left for the Kings? Like, hey, if I can't make this crack at a proper Wizards roster, an NBA roster, there's no chance I'm going to suit up in the G League. It's just not for my style of play. In all honesty, the Wizards management 
I knew I was going to sign Exhibit 10. I mm. knew I was going into training. That's what they promised me. They promised me four preseason games, promised me the two weeks of training camp and five for that last two-way spot, right? I get waived two days before training camp on a Sunday morning at 6.30. Like, that's just a phone call. Boom. You're gone. That's it. Like, so I, I, I literally don't have anything towards them. Like, uh, you guys promised me something. You guys made a business decision. Business decision. I'll make my own business decision. I'm going elsewhere to play, have fun. And hey, there's a lot more money in Adelaide than there is in the G League. So you got to keep that in mind too. Uh, the flip side of that is that the, the G League, American basketball in the NBA compared to, to the NBL, you don't, you don't get those phone calls too often. I mean, internationals when imports come in, it, it might be in some situations, but that level of security while still playing at a high level is why the NBL was so enticing, I'm sure. 100%. I think it's just an attractive league. You got to keep that in mind. Like in the G League, we would have played 50 games in mm. six months. Here in the NBL, we played 28 games. So every game is important. Every game is physical. It's tough. You get beaten up, all this, but hey, it's fun. That's the main thing. And again, I, I came back to the NBL to try and perform and do well to prove Brian Gorge and hey, like I, I want to give a crack at the Olympics. Like I think I should have been in the World Cup selection squad. But again, that's his choice. And now I just want to prove a point that I think I do belong. When that mindset comes to, do you feel pressure at all in going out in games? Like, cause I've known you, I've seen you play, I've known you for so long. And the, the confidence, like people will look at someone and be like, okay, he's just arrogant on the court. But with you, it's confidence and it's a swagger about it. Do you ever get to the point where you feel like you put too much pressure on yourself or do you seem to thrive whenever you do that? When you have a goal, you're like, I'm making this goal, whatever it takes. Yeah, I think for me, it's just all about winning. So that's where the pressure arises for me. Like, I just want to win games. Like if I shoot one of 20, cool, and we get a win, I'm all right with that. But if I go 20 of 20 and we lose, like there's no point of that. So the pressure of winning is for me. And obviously I won a lot throughout my career with two championships with the Kings and obviously a couple of junior junior titles growing up. So I think the pressure comes on winning, but again, there is no pressure in Adelaide. Everyone picked us last. And when I keep telling the guys, hey, no one cares about us. You know, we, we can either change our season and keep moving forward and ruin someone else's season. All we gotta do is make the six. And then it's zero, zero, jump ball, let's go. Let's see if we can make the top four. You, that's a whole another ball game right there. You're one of the most fun players to watch when you're getting up and about in that groove, when you're in that mindset. But you also, for people who wouldn't be perhaps completely familiar with everything that you've been through, you seem to be one of the most mentally strong players. And this goes back to even probably before the Achilles, but I want to talk about that Summer League because I was there in Summer League and yeah. I watched you sit on the bench and I was thinking, how does this man not get on the court right now with everything that's going on? And when your name was called, you were ready. And you obviously went out there and hit back-to-back -back shots. How do you stay ready in a moment? Because there's kids everywhere who are thinking the same thing, like, man, I'm just waiting for my opportunity. But when it comes, everyone is either afraid of the moment or they're not prepared. How do you get ready for it? Honestly, it's just the work you put in. Like once the season ended, I took a week off. Then you know, I was back in the gym working out from April all the way till August. Like so, when when I went to the summer league, I was ready. Like it was just a matter of when. So when I came in, you know, the guys were like, "Hey, this is your time. Shoot the ball when you're open. Do your thing." And I did that. So again, I think a lot of people don't understand your role in the NBA. Where it's different here in the NBA is like if you're a main guy, of course you're going to get the ball back. But in the NBA. You got to know your role or you're going to be out real quick in the league. Are you a hoops nuffy? Am I what? Are you a hoops nuffy? Is like you live and breathe hoops? Uh, not all the time. Yeah. I think uh, away from the court, I try to stay you know, basketball clear. Like sometimes I don't even watch the NBL. I just try to chill out, especially in Adelaide. I live by the beach. So <laughs> walk on the beach. It's a, it's a chilled lifestyle. I try to hang out with my teammates. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a hoops nuffy, but 
I just, you know, I'll play it because I love the game, but sometimes you just need a break from it all. Are you a video gamer then? Like, what do you do besides? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I've got a gaming PC. i got everything. I'm waiting for the new Call of Duty to come out. I'm going to get my Twitch stream ready to come back. So it's I gonna, forgot about that. I yeah, it's it's going to be a little, a little comeback for me, that's for sure. Was there a point in, I guess, maybe your juniors or once you turned professional where you realized how important it was to have a balance of, you're right, okay, we're in a season, it's a 28-game season. I can't live and breathe basketball all the time or else I'm going to go crazy. Was there a point where that you were at that and then switched or have you always been understanding of, I need to have a balance. If video gaming is my chance to switch off, it's walking the beach, just switching off. I need to get that involved in my schedule. Yeah, 100%. I think during the season, you see everyone pretty much every single day. And there'll be days where I'll be so close to, close with Xavier Cooks that, man, I get sick and tired of seeing him every day, right? So sometimes you just need a day to yourself to go to the beach or play a video game. Like during the, the semifinal series against Cairns, my first two games, I was shocking. And I'll admit it, right? But hey, my boys back home said, jump on the game. And what happened next game? Game three, when it mattered? Like that's, that's just clearing your head. And, and next thing you know, I've got another championship, got to celebrate with the boys. And you just need that balance. I think family, a bit of yourself. And then man, if you've got a spouse or whatever, you've got to do with kids. Like well, everyone on my team in Adelaide's got a kid or, or a spouse. So, you know, it's cool to just hang out. And, you know, kids are kids, man. Like you just get to see what they'd be doing. I want to rewind back. We talked about the NBA. I want to rewind back to Miami days in yeah. college. Firstly, how did that uh, scholarship even come about? How did you get the chance to go there? Did you have any other big offers? Because it's a pretty big school in terms of obviously Division One basketball. Yeah, I think it just started from the under seventy World Championships where uh, we won a silver medal, and Isaac and I were named in the All Star Five, and he was getting recruited by Kentucky and all the big names. And for me, I got I got a call from uh, Jamal Brunt, who was the assistant at the time, saying, "You know, I'm from Miami. You know, we're interested in you." and then we follow, and then we go nine months later, I went to the 19s, had another good one, and then got a scholarship. Came out, they visited me. Stanford then came out and visited me. Um, I had LSU. They came to visit you? Yes. That doesn't happen too often. No, I had the Stanford coach during the 2015 school championships in, uh, in Canberra, came out, watched the semifinal game. They had 40 or something like that game, <laughs> so I kind of proved my point. And uh, yeah, again, I picked Miami just because of the... Uh, I look at both basketball and school. Mm -hmm. You've got to balance both because if you get hurt, you know, it can change your life completely. So I've got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. A lot of people don't know that. So I just wanted the balance because both my parents are highly educated. So I've got to kind of keep the trend going. Um, so just to that, and it was a great lifestyle, man. Like the weather's always nice. The women are great. <laughs> uh, and they're just, it's multicultural, man. English is the second language in Florida. Like there's Spanish, there's Cuban, there's all this like, and you get to learn that. So. Who wouldn't want to go to Miami for real? Talk to me about the juggling of school because I haven't met too many people who around the NBL like players-wise. Like I've got two bachelors and a master's, so I understand the, the juggling of it. And it, it can be full on. What, what was the schedule like? I wasn't at a massive Division One school. I was still at a Division One school, but I hear stories. I, Jackson Aldridge, an old Australian teammate of mine, was telling me some stories of Rodney Clark and Butler. What is it like at Miami though? Are we talking, oh, it sounds like you were going to class, you were doing everything you had to do. Was there certain extra GPAs that you had to keep for your coach rather than just the, I guess, the NCAA as a whole? Yeah, I think we had a, we had a study hall rule. It's like mm -hmm. if you been can, there, if you can obtain, uh, have your three GPA, there's no study hall for you. So for me, I knocked that off in my first summer, and I was able to keep it going. So I had no study hall. Other guys were like, how come he's not got it? Hey, when you got a three GPA plus, like. It gives you a bit of freedom. So like that night time is like you get to yourself, but you know, in the morning we got weights, you got class eight to like 12, a little bit of a break, then you got practice three to six, and then you got study hall. So it's always non nonstop doing stuff, but it'd always be the best either after the season 
or like a long time before the season, especially the first week of school when they call that like syllabus week. Mm. So there's no there's no schoolwork. You just come in, get to know your teachers, and that's really it. Next thing you know, they're going out every night, and, and it'd be lit. Like yeah. <laughs> honestly, it'd be lit. Like you can't. I'm not going to deny it. You know, I had some fun, and but once the season started, you got to lock in. But again, you got to enjoy with you guys when you get big big wins. Like we had big wins against Duke. We, we won in Virginia. You know, they played that slow paced game. Mm-hmm. So man, you just got to enjoy every every little win, every little moment. And yeah, those the guys I play with. I still talk to you every day. Like, there's memories that last forever. I do want to talk about the off-court in Miami because I went to Capital <laughs> of New York. I went to Albany, Capital of New York, and there's not a whole lot around Albany. It is two and a half hours north of yeah. Manhattan, so I made my way down there. But particularly a Tuesday, Thursday night was dollar beers. Uh-huh. And, and when you go there from Australia and, you feel, and you're shouting all your mates and 10 beers and it's $10, and obviously your tip, so it's $12. Yeah. And they're losing their minds that you could even afford that. Is there any special college deal at Miami? What are we looking at uh, here? No, nah, we, uh, we had this one little bar called Samba on mm. a Thursday night. and uh, On the beach? No, no, no. We was just uh, in Coral Gables. Um, everyone used to go there on a Thursday. It doesn't matter if you're 18, 19, 20. <laughs> you're getting in there regardless. Like People there made money. They had their own security, so it was just lit. Like You know, as soon as the basketball team, hey, you know, we got eight of us coming. Like, can we just, you know, slide through? And no worries, security's there waiting for you, let you in, you party, and drinks are like $3, like, and it's just, it'd be lit on a Thursday. And as you get older, then you go to the clubs. But I wasn't really a club guy. I really liked the bar scene, kind of the, the wharf, the outside bar was mm. probably the most lit for me because it's outside, beautiful weather. Again, women were great. <laughs> the drinks, like, uh, are pretty cheap, like, and you just enjoy it. That balance, again, you're talking about as a pro now, but obviously in college, it's juggling that. But you, you mentioned the big wins because that team, you still managed to play at a high level. And again, being able to enjoy what college offers on every single hand possible. What were some of those best memories of the, the time at college on the basketball court? Um, if you had to pick one. Oh man, everyone's, everyone tell, asked me this. Like, I, I've got I, I asked you this because I do have one. Yeah. So that, I know you do. Yeah, that's the ESPN keeps rolling every that's, year. That's why I can ask it, because I've got one. That's yeah, why I yeah. can ask it. Um, honestly, I think every year, senior night's been the best. Mm. I think my freshman year, we beat Duke at home. Um, and everyone stormed the court. Like, that's my first ever experience of storming the court. Then the next year, senior night, my sophomore year, we went to UNC and beat them mm. and these are big schools and that's when Jaquan Newton hit that half court game winner um, so that's a big one third year we were depleted we had five or six scholarship guys we were playing three or four walk-ons like and like those guys that were there from the very start we had to finish it off the right way and they went out with a bang and then my senior night of course I had a couple of my best mates fly in I had my sister and it was just, yeah, man, it was just unreal. So it's a, it's a great lasting memory for me. You, you, some of those teammates are in the NBA now from Miami. And you mentioned you, you still keep in touch with them. I see it on your socials. And what is it like to obviously see them go off and, and, and do that? And obviously win the NBA championship, win Bruce Brown as well. Yeah. And uh, he seems to be, you're a character in the way that you play like, on and off the court. He seems to be like he's one of those guys as well. Oh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a goofy man. He's, he's a cowboy man now. I don't know how that came upon because <laughs> he would never listen to country music in college and now he's full cowboy. There's cowboy. There's nothing wrong with that. Country, hey, music's, no, elite. Nothing wrong with country that. music's elite, bro. Not for me. Like, I, I avoid it. But for him, it's, it's good. <laughs> but hey, we support each other. He sometimes even watches our games. Like, that's how 
that's how connected like we really are and he'll he'll reach out and say hey man you just went crazy i mean yeah so did you like and like he'll shout you dinner because he's on the millions and millions yeah, of dollars big deal, nice man. little stakes so no nah, it's just cool like money aside all that stuff like just seeing like your friends and like your brothers succeed that's the that's the biggest thing for me well now when you're coming out of high school if you're a youngster you've got a lot of choices obviously and a lot of people you can go development player route a lot of people might be lucky enough to get end of the bench role and, and do that we know what the next stars program is if you had your time all over again would you still go through the college route you reckon 100%. I think during that little, t- like that time is, we, we couldn't make money in college, but it's just the experience. Like for me, you look at the NCAA tournaments, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that used to be just rolling, like, see so your clips, like, that, that's what I want to experience. I want to go over there, you know, what's the college life really like? What can I tell people in 10 years time? You know, should you go, should you not go? I would go, you know, minus the education if you want to get it or not, but I would go. It's just, you can go for a year. If you like it, you do. If not, cool, you come back and then you try again. So I, I would go, but other people might, might not. So it's really up to them. What did you learn about yourself the most throughout the entire college career? Because I'm the same when it comes to experience. And it's funny, you mentioned the getting paid to play now, the NILs, which is a game changer, I think, for, for college and what we possibly could have done with that 100%. who knows what that could have been like i don't even want to think about it because there's a bagel shop in albany that i can have my name written all over it uh but what did you learn about yourself did you you mentioned all what the, the fun times that would have been in miami do you think that it was a lot of that was i'm gonna i'm gonna make money playing this game that i love let's kind of have all of this not get it out of your system per se but experience it all now so that when i go pro I'm, I'm pro because I'm setting up my family with this future money that I'm going to get from playing basketball. Yeah, honestly, like, I think it's more about just being professional. Like, in Miami, it was cool during the summertime. We was getting Dwayne Wade in there. Mm. We were getting James Harden. I was working out with Marcus Smart a few summers. LeBron James rolls in. And, like, you know, some of these guys might be arrogant, but, like, LeBron, Marcus, Dwayne Wade, like, they come up to you and give you, you know, words of wisdom, like, how to become a pro, where you need to be better. You play pickup against them to see where you can match up. So I think just becoming a professional overall and living by yourself, man. Like, you got to learn how to cook. you got to learn how to clean. you got to learn how to, t- you know, do your studies on your, by yourself, your own timetable, like, all this stuff. So I think just being able to live by yourself. And I don't think I can move back home. Sorry, mom. <laughs> like, I love visiting. Like, don't get me wrong. Mom and dad, cool. Visit. But like, it's just so much different when you got people in the house and everyone's on a different schedule where I'd rather just be on my own schedule, knowing when I can do my own laundry. You know, I will cooking, I will you happily, ha- no, happily have mum. Yeah, fair enough. I'm a breakfast man, so I can cook a mean French I'm, toast. You're some, preaching to the choir here. Yeah, so other than that, like, just learning how to take care of myself. I want to go back to the time in Sydney because obviously not many people win an NBL championship, a professional championship, mm. let alone two in a row. But... When did your Achilles, with everything that was, was leading up to it, and again, you're coming off, you're playing in the, under the juniors in, in Australia, you, you've gone to Miami, and, and things are like, we're expecting this massive imprint from DJ Vasilievich. Do you even look back at that, or is it something that you kind of put in the back of your mind and say, I don't want to open that door again? Oh, it's 50-50 at times. Um, obviously, I was runner-up for Rookie of the Year. I always say to myself, I've never got hurt. I probably would have won it, but again, Josh Giddy was Josh Giddy, and the NBL would have given him the award because who, who goes to back-to-back triple-doubles, does what he does at the out age. So, again, that, that could have been the one thing. But another thing I look back is that we could have won another championship. Mm-hmm. Like, Jarrell Martin was in and out with injuries. Xavier Cooks missed the first half. We had Daniel Kickett in and out. You know, Casper Ware, he played all the games. Diddy was in and out, and then he ended up leaving for the NBA. So it's like, 
Maybe they, we could have had three in a row. Like my rookie year, where there's no, that could have been number one and then you could have continued on from there. But again, that's in the past. You know, we created good memories when we did, but hey man, that's, that's, the, that's the consequence of playing the sport. You know, you're gonna, potentially there's a chance to get hurt and I did and it's how you bounce back. So I'm hoping like I'll prove people that I'm better than I was. We've already seen it now at Ari Hogporty this year. I mean, bouncing back from an Achilles injury, which is probably the most devastating injury a basketballer can have. It's a, if it's not number one, it's number two. Jack White did it at the, pretty much the same time, and you guys are around the same age. You've, you've been through a lot together. And I think you've had significant injuries before, juniors, around the same time, or some yeah, sort of Yeah, I had a stress fracture in my navicular bone in my left foot. And so, I think he had something around the same time. He had something something to do with his ankle, I think it was. So yeah, it's like, creepy. Yeah it's, yeah, it's weird. So like when Whitey did his against Cairns, I was like, no way. And then I did mine five days later. And I was like, no way. It's just like, it's weird. But again, like look at Whitey now. Mm-hmm. He got an NBA championship. I got two NBA championships. And again, like we support each other no matter what. You spoke about, obviously, in the, in the last few months, we're talking to Cooksey a lot through, through everything that's going on and, and having those people you can reach out to and Bruce Brown and all that. You and Jack White going through that together, when everyone thinks of the future of Australian hoops, we, we were thinking of Vasilievich and Jack White. We still are. Did you lean on each other a lot throughout that period? Yeah, I think we did. Me and him definitely exchanged uh, you know, conversations back and forth. I know our physios definitely exchanged um, back and forth. And I think we all just worked as a team. Like... Yeah, keep in mind, basketball's a family, really, especially in the NBL, and you never want you know us or people who get hurt not be able to play the game. Because again, if you know if, if people look at us as the next generation, you know the NBL wants us out there. You know it helps bring them in money, but again, we we just want to hoop and have fun. So I think we all, we're all just all working together, and we came back better. So he's enjoying his life in the NBA and the G League, and I'm enjoying my life in Adelaide, man. It's it's sick. The ultimate pinnacle of, of any professional sportsman is winning a title. You said you won two of them. So you come back in that second year and you started slow, obviously, with the team, but then to go on and win a championship, to finally tick that box. I mean, not many people can obviously say they've done it, but not many people can really understand what that feeling is like. Talk me through those emotions to know that when that first happened, that I'm an NBL champion. I'm, an NBL, I'm a champion of the highest level in Australia. Yeah, I remember it like yesterday. We were in Brisbane. We just lost. X had got ejected in the first half and we were sitting there and Chase was kind of giving us a spear like hey we got to turn this boat around and yeah I was looking at everyone I'm like everyone's stressing for what like we got dudes like still injured still haven't found the right form RJ Hunter I think went down Mm -hmm. the next game so we were down an import and I always say this and this isn't to have a go at RJ or whatever but if RJ never got hurt and we never brought any in Clark I don't think we win a championship he was like, huge that year. Oh, Ian's Ian. Like, you've seen it now with United, and I want him to stay injury-free because uh, he's a great player. Like, he can hoop, and he's won an NBA championship, so he's got the experience. Um, but, yeah, no, when he came in, we, we had the death lineup. Everyone called it the death lineup of J.A., myself, Ian, Xavier, and Andrew. Like, go, go stop. If you go stop X, someone else is going to go off. You stop Jarrell, stop me, J.A., like... Yeah, next thing you know, championship. And obviously when he went down, X was the next guy. So, you know, we just played well together. And when you get the NBL championship, tick it off, enjoy. It was a five-day bender. <laughs> but it was the best bender ever. I can speak. I do know what that's like. Yeah. It, it's, it's probably been since then that I had a crack at it. Yeah. The, the following year, and, and again, now that you're, you're in Adelaide, you've played on, on many teams. And I keep saying this in commentating this year, that star players are going to get you 
to a championship series or get you to, to the top towards the business end of an NBL season. But obviously culture, but the bench unit role players are going to win you a title. Yep. That became clear again in Sydney Second last year. Yep. And we look at it and Geordie Hunter, Glenn Noyes, Sean Bruce, Angus Glover stepping up. And how do you even get that complete buy-in from everyone? Because not everybody is, is built to just be like, okay, I might not play tonight or I might be needed to go out there and play 30 minutes and not score the ball, yep. but we're going to win a title if I buy into this. I think they just understood. Um, and they understood, hey, if these guys are a bit flat, like they need us mm -hmm. and we needed them. Like there was games, I think it was game two when we went to New Zealand, we was down D. Walt and we was down Cooksey and we were early, early, like cooked. first three, four minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was a scrappy game, but once got rolling, we had Angus rolling, Brucey was rolling. It was, it was done. Like we were playing four, I think we played five Aussies at one point. That's just how good we were. No, we played Justin Simon because he had six steals. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> he was elite. So everyone just stepped up and played our role and hey, we got another championship and so it's up there. That, that kind of experience that you've been through and winning and the importance of roles, do you feel like, I mean, you are a veteran now in the NBL, but then coming to Adelaide, a team that was struggling early that, you obviously know what it takes to win, but you just have be able to have those conversations with, with some of the young guys, some of the other guys to be like, hey, I don't want to emulate because we don't have the team that we had in Sydney, but I'm telling you now, if we buy in here, here and here, we're going to make a crack of this. Yeah, I mean, everyone who plays professionally is talented and they know their role. And I think that's the most important. You need to know your role in order for us to win. And I think that's what I was trying to, after we got blown out by Southeast, my first game, mm -hmm. I had to call a players meeting because... There's a, there was a few bit of egos. There was a bit of this, bit of that. Like, hey, man, know your roles. Next thing in game, we've got to beat Perth. Then we go to New Zealand. Big game. Beat New Zealand. Then we drop a few. You know, illness, injuries, again, getting into a head. Same thing last night. Hey, get your head out of the asses. Let's, let's just play basketball. Understand, I'll play for you, you play for me, and we all just, you know, support one another. Next thing you know, we get another win. So we just got to continue and understand our role. We, again, there's no pressure. We were picked last. Like, that's how it is. Why not prove people wrong? So, just got to make the six. And you go from there. What, what type of coach does DJ Vasilievich thrive off best? A lot of people, we look around the league, a lot of coaches are different. A lot of coaches, are, some sit back a little bit. Some don't snap at all. Some snap a lot. I mean, we see how Adam Ford gets the best out of his players. Um, you've obviously had Chase Beer for the last two years. Are you someone who wants a coach who's on you for every single mistake or someone who understands that you're going to work through them what kind of coach do you thrive with best personally uh, probably that coach that just lets me rock but again he's going to reality check me when i need to like there'll be games where i take two or three like long bad shots and then cj will point me and say hey you know move the ball it's going to come back to you because last seven eight seconds guys are going to give you the ball and you go to work and that's what happened last night like i i was you know forcing a little bit of this and cj said hey the game will come to you just get everyone else involved next thing you know so they get the ball back to me and get a win. Uh, you mentioned that the, the missing those couple of long ones early. <coughs> I remember that, that little stretch in Sydney last season when, when you went through a shooting slump and, and you, were, you were talking about it, obviously, when you're a, a high-profile player in the league and that's happening, there's going to be a magnifying glass on you. How do you, one, trust that you're going to come out of that? I know you talk about putting the work in, but two, every single game that it continues to happen, how do you make sure that you never dip too low? Um, I think just the confidence, like we relate back to, is it's confidence, not arrogance. Like I know I'm probably one of the best shooters in, in this league with Chris Goulding, and you just got to keep putting in the work. And as you see, like one, once the dam opens, it, it opens. And I think Southeast has uh, mm -hmm. 
copped it a couple uh, of times uh, now, a couple they? of times now, and uh, yeah, it just, it just happens. And once you just hit one, then it's like okay, then there's another one. And the ring just gets wider and wider and wider. And yeah, man, I could go one one of ten, one of twenty, whatever. But I'm, I'm just gonna keep shooting because I know I'm, I'm I'm a great guy at it and just keep working. Take me into that zone, into that because I I had a couple of times in college, so I can. But in the NBA, I didn't have a couple of times of that, so I don't actually understand because I just watch and I, I've commentated you now for a few years, and you mentioned CG Chris Golding and just watching when that mindset, when that groove happens, I would have just loved to know what what that felt like on a consistent basis, which you both do. Yeah. What goes through your body? Are you literally thinking, keep me out here because I literally cannot miss? Yeah, now the funny thing last night is CJ wanted to take me out. And I oh, I can't stand that. I've already said this a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Lamb was going for 70 before uh, he got well, subbed out. So um, I think I hit a three from from that Mitsubishi logo, whatever, mm. and Trent was about to sub me in, and CJ said, nah, sit down. And the next thing you know, I play the whole second half. That's a player coach knowing what's and going on. And you just got to let me rock. Like I tell him, just let me rock. Like I don't care. I'm, I'm not tired. Like I'll push through. Like I've never had pickle juice in my life more than I've had the last four games. Really? I pop it once or twice. Like and it's disgusting. It's not good. No, it's it's not abs- good. You're supposed to apparently just swivel it in your mouth and spit well, it. Well, I, I saw Ty Webster do that a few years ago. I'm pretty because Casper Ware was big on the pickle juice. But Casper would drink it properly every single game. Yeah. I didn't know it was a it was a rinse and spit type. Apparently, thing. but I just, you know, yeah, just drink chug it. Chug it down, yeah. get the power in, let's go. Like that's just how it is. And yeah, I don't know, it's just different. Do you have any guys, one in the NBA, but maybe more so in the NBL, that as I know you compete against them, but you love to watch go about their business? Uh, Chris Goulding, um, for sure. I mean, it was the same type of player. You can see in, your, in his eyes once he gets going, it's like, hey, good luck. And uh, same thing with Bryce. I think there's a lot of respect between Bryce and I. And now that he's rolling the last four or five games, like it's a very dangerous man to stop. So I think he's heard the outside noise. I know his wife said a few things on social media, so I think that's fired him up even more. And next thing, now they're winning. So I I respect those two guys definitely the most. What about players to play against? Because you're going to get the best defender every single time that comes in. Is there someone that you really look forward to the challenge or even ask you more, who gives you the biggest challenge to try and break free off? It's Tom Abercrombie. (coughs) People underestimate. That man is just like... I'm not, I don't want to call him old. He's just very experienced. He's long. He's athletic. He is old too. And he's so physical. Yep. Like, it's just a guy like, I call him my kryptonite, like, kryptonite at times. Like, mm-hmm. It's just so hard to get past and he's always there. So I like that challenge always. And I mean, there's other people in the league that I, I like to go up against because they trash talk a lot. Yep. And if you want to start trash talking, all right, that's cool. That's cool. That's just going to even trigger me even more. And I'm not going to name names, but a couple of players last night, you know, tried to talk their talk and didn't walk the walk. So it is what it is. That was going to be one of my final points here. You are a, a perennial trash talk, but it seems like you don't really start a whole lot of it. It, it seems like either you're going to hit three threes and then you're just feeling good and then you're just like, I'm, I'm in a groove now, or you missed a couple or someone's done something and they're going to just pipe up once and then you're like, okay, thank you. Now it's my turn. Yeah, I think, I mean, I just go about my business, right? So if I hit three in a row or miss whatever, seven in a row, it's funny because if I start missing and someone starts chirping, that's what really ticks me off the Mm -hmm. most. And that's when I think I know it's over. And last night, someone did that. Shouldn't have done it. Next thing you know, I've gone for 20 points in the second half. Hands are falling up out of bounds. Oh, oh, now we know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, nah, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, you can trash talk if you want, but I'm never going to initiate it. Um, I think I respect too many guys in the league. Yep. Um, well, that was going to be my other thing is 
you need guys like that because it, it makes the game fun for us to watch, but it makes the game fun to play in. Because he's been on the other side of it a couple of times, but I think that was you and now that Justin Robinson did it in, in round two as well. But he's not going to back down from a challenge, and you want that as a competitor because obviously what happened in the second half gets to happen when you do that. Yeah, man, it's just basketball. We're mm-hmm. hooping here, you know. We want to win, and that's the competitive, the, the fierceness, that it is what it is. And man, I, I love it. Like when we play Bryce, I want to match up on Bryce. Mm. Like I want to, I want to see if I can go against the best import that's probably ever played in the NBL. I want to go against Chris Goulding, who, hey, me and him similar games. He can shoot the piss out of the ball. Or if I, I can't wait to play Sydney because I want to match up with JA. I want to match up with um, DJ Hope. Like I, I don't mind the challenge. Like, cool, go try scoring me. Like, a lot of people, I think, underestimate my defense. And when I actually lock in, I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to end on that because the competitive side of it and that match against Sydney, and obviously, whatever went down, went down. And and the fact is, you're going into a team that you don't play for anymore, that you've created some great memories with. And as competitors, as someone who wants to win more than anything, I feel like it's going to be a really enjoyable challenge to do that, knowing that, hey, like, no matter what happens, we're going we're to hug after, we won championships together, and those memories always be there. But right now I'm on the other side, and I'm going to really enjoy stepping up to this moment. Yeah, I mean, I still talk to a lot of the mm-hmm. guys. Like, last night after the game, I had Quat messaging me, I had Angus, Brucey, like, those are my guys, man. Like, nothing will ever take away from the memories of championships, but... Again, there's always that little chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. Hey, you want to play these guys. And I kind of saw it when Cairns played Sydney and when DJ Hogue returned. And, you know, I think Forty had a bit of a spark. For sure. A couple of the other guys. It's inevitable. And it's, and it's just mm-hmm. part of the game. Like, it's competitiveness. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. But, again, i got to worry about all these other games before I worry about them. So, we've got to you, keep you, sa- you say that. But it's definitely, obviously, going to be, out of everything else, that, that one's going to be in your mind, for sure. I don't think it's in my mind. I think everyone tries to put it in my mind. Right. Okay. I'm putting it in there right now. <laughs> it's and it's going to shoot right that yeah. way. Like, I'm trying to just, no, nah, I just want to yeah. play. I got New Zealand X in Christchurch. Then yeah. I got Tassie and Tassie. Whenever we play them in January, that's when I'll focus on it. Like, it's such a long time. It right? is, but like, I can't wait. And like, Fleur, she's, that, Fleur's my coach. Like, Kicks is my guy. Like, I just, whatever happens, win, lose, whatever, I've still got utmost respect for the organization. What happened, happened. Like, we shook hands, move on. Everyone wants to create a story. Cool. I shut down that story real quick. We shook hands. So yeah, you move on with your business. We'll move on with ours. But when the game comes, it'll be interesting. Brother, appreciate your time. We're enjoying seeing you back in the league. And uh, yeah, as you said, the, the top six, you just got to make it to the top six. And then you, someone else might have put it out there, but I would like to see a playoff series, Adelaide versus Sydney. I selfishly <laughs> would really like to see that. And you don't have to comment on that, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm loving watching you play. So I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. We just got to get to the six and hey, zero, zero.